Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. What is it like to do ministry on the ground in a postmodern, post-Christian culture, particularly in a city that is named as one of the most secular cities in the nation? Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Christian Curious. I'm Dr. Haley Gray Scott, and today I'm here with Ann Coughlin, the Spread Love Pastor at Platt Park Church. Welcome, Ann. Thanks so much, Haley. My first question is, what does it mean to be the Spread Love Pastor? <laughs> because I've never heard that before, and it's pretty unique. It sure is. You know, we started thinking about um, my role, which is overseeing um, all of our ministries from birth to young adults. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, um, our outreach. So our local and um, international presence um, abroad, you know, kind of our um, service projects. And what we realized, the theme and the thread of that type of role, where I'm kind of juggling two different um, positions is that we're just spreading love. We're trying right. to bring people into the fold. We're trying to show Christ's love to others. That's wonderful. It's yeah. kind of fun. That's fun and unique. Yeah. The spread love pastor. And so you're not responsible just for one generation. You, your responsibilities go over a variety of gen generations from birth until adulthood. Absolutely. Although right now I am focusing on young adults. So we have some really competent people in those roles for some of those other age demographics. Um, and right now I am focusing on young adults um, predominantly in my role. Right. We were con we've been connected through the Kaleo Project. I was the, I'm the director of the Kaleo Project, which is a ministry to young adults and trying to figure out how 23 to 29 year olds um, can be ministered to because that's the most unchurched generation in American history. And you applied for that grant um, a few years ago, almost two full years ago. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about what, um, what was the impetus for you to actually apply for that grant? What were the needs that you were seeing? You know, it was really interesting because um, our church we were noticing was a church that actually had been full of 20s and 30s somethings. And then we kind of grew up and started having kids. And so we had this big bubble of young families and we were missing this link of young adults. But yet there were so many people active in the church that were so close to that age demographic or maybe actually officially in that age demographic, but with children. And so we started to realize, like, huh, what are we doing here that we're missing a link of particularly singles or right. young adults who don't have kids? Right, because there's this whole new kind of um, stage of age life or age stage life where people are graduating college and used to, you would get married and have kids and you'd go immediately into family. And now you have this, um, they call it delayed adulthood, but I don't think that's a fair assessment. Exactly. Right. Because so they graduate college, but they're still single. And so they're unconnected. And so we've had to adapt to, to find ministries. Is that what you've been saying? Absolutely. Especially in an urban environment. I feel like um, our church is predominantly in town and lots of young professionals who are focused on their career, focused on um, even just per personal pursuits of the outdoors, other things like that. And they haven't perhaps met their life partner. And so um, we've definitely seen that that 
time period stretch where um, people are unmarried. What what have been the big um, things that you've learned about this stage of life? These young adults. What are the what would you say would be the biggest things that you learned about them? Well, I definitely still want connection. I think often some of them are in a financial position where they do live alone, so they've kind of gotten really? to the point where they don't have to have roommates. But then, so they're not living in their parents' basement. Not necessarily. Now some are, <laughs> but there's. Um, quite a few that are actually doing quite well professionally and are making it in this big city. And yet it's kind of lonely living in an apartment by yourself. Yeah, it is. And you want connection and you want community. Right. And so how have you been able to, to offer that? So could you, you, the one thing that you've learned is they want community. So how have you been able to meet that need? You know, it's been interesting because we've tried a couple different things and I think I had some assumptions at first. Um, I think, what were those? You know, I think I thought, oh, these young adults, they're going to want to go to cute hip coffee shops and amazing breweries. And I think that they do like doing those things. But in a church context, I have been so surprised how actually they want to come over to someone's house. Yeah. Um, I just thought, oh gosh, you know, my house is messy and imperfect and small and wouldn't they want to go to some cute place in the said, nope, they would much rather enter into real life experience, real community. Um, and it's actually been amazing. We have a small group that an older woman who is 83 hosts in her home. And it's wonderful. Wow. It feels like you are at your grandma's house and she oh, welcomes everyone in like that. There's some cute little doilies around and we sit in her backyard and then we move into her living room. And I think it's really comforting to all of us, myself included. Well, so that's completely opposite of what you might imagine exactly. a young adult. So that's something really unexpected because I was the same way when I started as a director. I went to places like that I thought young adults would be attracted to. I did CrossFit for two months. You know, I went to breweries and I went to yoga and I thought, is this what we need to do as a church to adapt to the culture? But apparently that's not the case. They don't want to go to church and, you know, maybe go to a brewery. They'd rather be in someone's home. Exactly. And we had that exact um, scenario play out. I had just a taco night or afternoon, actually, in my backyard and had amazing turnout. We also had like a brewery gathering and people came, but it was at least one fourth of the crowd. It was crazy. Wow. That's that's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, really neat. You know, I mean. When I was younger, I, um, my personal story was I was a nun. And what I mean by a nun, like not N-U-N, nun in a convent, but nun, N-O-N-E, where I didn't affiliate with any religion. First, I was an atheist. And then I moved, what I think is further away from God, was, which is agnosticism. And um, as an atheist, you're still engaged with the question of God. But with agnosticism, you've kind of let it go. And it was the presence of someone in my life, a hostess at Applebee's where I was a waitress, who just just radiated Jesus Christ, welcomed me into her home, welcomed me into meals. And that's how I became a Christian. That's how I came back to Christ is through her hospitality and her love. It wasn't some big uh, young adult event. You know, I, I came back on my 21st birthday, actually. And um, it was just through her hospitality. It wasn't through some big young adult event. And even as I got into church, I thought, I don't want to um, go to a church that looks so much like my sin, which is a big concert or 
you know, you have the big stage with the perfect people, and it seemed, it reminded me of, of the life that I had before Jesus, and that's not what I wanted from a church. Wow. What would be some of the other things that you have learned about young adults? Well, I think that um, we've also learned the power of a personal ask. You know, it's so easy to send out an email or put some flyers up or something, but people want to be known. They right. want to for you to know them by name. Exactly. And so I think going up and seeing them at church and greeting them by name and saying, hey, can you come to this event, you know, and, and let them know when the next thing is, that's what matters, that, that you know them, that you're personally asking. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, knowing their name, that has been a theme that, that we have heard across the project, you know, and all the 15 churches that are part of the project is the importance of knowing someone's name. And that's a really interesting way to think of it is the importance of the personal ask of going up to someone, not just sending an email. And, you know, that would be one way for, so would you advise that would be one way for churches to connect with young adults? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think too, that often we think we can send that email and that we're done, but really these young people want us to, to walk along alongside them in life. And so I think checking in with them, seeing how that test went or how that job interview went, you know, really tracking with their lives and know what's going on and um, walking alongside them. Yeah, that's so important. You know, it, we have a, an age of social media where we we think we're so connected. And in a way, we are connected, but in another deeper sense, we're very disconnected. Yes. And if the church is able to provide that place of connection and community, it can be really a resource that we can use to draw people into the love of Jesus. Absolutely. So... And ministry to young adults. You know, we have seen churches struggle to adapt and struggle to, you know, figure out how to reach young adults. So I'd love to hear some of the challenges that that you have faced and how maybe you have overcome them. So, you know, one thing that I had to get used to is that young adults, and this might be a a thing that has has happened on a larger scale as well, um, don't really RSVP or let you know that they're coming. Right. And so, um, you know, I've realized that offering food often helps. And then so therefore, free food, yes, free food always helps. And then also just, you know, saying, oh, I want to provide food, but if you can let me know if you're coming so I have enough or that I can accommodate um, different food um, intolerances because there's a lot of our young people have those. So gluten-free, dairy-free. Oh, man, all of it. And and we want to be accommodating. We Mm -hmm. want people to feel comfortable to join us at the table and to make sure that they're able to join us fully. So um, I think it has helped some of those intolerances. So they will let me know, like, oh, I'm gluten-free, and I'm going to be there. Do you have food for me? Yes, I do. So in some ways, that's kind of helped me get a headcount better than I could have ever any other way. So how do you get them to RSVP? I'm curious about this because I actually have problems doing that when I conduct events for the Kaleo churches, getting the Kaleo churches, the pastors, to RSVP me. So what is the key to getting those RSVPs? Yes, I honestly think it's the food count and also the personal ask in person too, when I bump into them. So that's, you know, a benefit of being in a church and knowing people is that I will see them on Sunday and say, hey, are you coming on Tuesday? And so not relying on them digging through their email, but to also have that personal right there in the moment. Great. I'll see you on Tuesday then type of thing. Right. So you have RSVPs has been one of your biggest challenges, knowing who's going to be there and who's not, because um, we're kind of a 
transient type of group of people today. I mean, absolutely, we might show up at the last minute or we might not. I mean, so how do you know and how do you prepare for that? Exactly. And even, I, you know, people have waited for the better option. I had someone that RSVP'd, yes, they were going to bring friends and then said, oh, I'm so sorry. We just got the opportunity to go stay up in a mountain cabin. So we're going to take advantage of that, which I, I get. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. That sense of loyalty is just different. It is. Yeah. So RSVP. So what's some other things that you have learned or have been challenges? So I think figuring out programming, I think, again, much like the um, where to have events, you know, a coffee shop versus home. Mm -hmm. Also, I kind of first assumed that young adults would want to do big, exciting things, especially when funds weren't weren't prohibiting them. So if we could take them to a baseball game for free or take them whitewater rafting, and it's interesting. People like that. I don't mm-hmm. think that's those have been bad things to do. And I think that it could, it can bring in people that might not try other things. But again, generally, I'm learning that our better tournament um, turnouts are things that are a little bit more, I might even say old school. You know, a game night, I'm, a meal at a house, yeah. um, a little low key, just gathering and hanging out. Or even, um, like, for instance, we went to the Rockies game and we said, hey, we're going to have pizza right before we go to the Rockies game at the church, if you just want to come for the pizza part, you can still come for that. And that was so well attended. There was still a great turnout for the Rockies game, mm-hmm. but just the easier things actually fit into people's lives better. And I think somehow is meeting a, need, a different need that they want. Yeah. But, and, you know, according to my research and what I've seen in the data, that is a surprising um, um, turnout. I mean, that's a surprising thing to think about is that it's the easy things. It's the things that you wouldn't think would be appealing. It doesn't have to be big and flashy. Exactly. It's something very simple. So RSVPs and easy events rather than the big showy events, um, what would you say have been some of your biggest victories? So, you know, just recently we had our young adults um, brainstorm because we're doing this series called Wisdom of Elders. And so They've really communicated that they want to hear from other generations, that they don't want to be siloed off just by themselves. Right. And so, and that's been a huge success for us. And and even just like bridging those generational gaps where older generations know the young adults better because it is easy to just get siphoned off a bit. Yeah. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised. We had a brainstorming session because I asked them, okay, what do you want to ask these older individuals? And the number one thing was that they wanted to explore spiritual practices and different ways to encounter God. Wow. Which I love. They want depth. They want great. heavier stuff. They don't just want the light, fluffy stuff. Um, and I just loved that. And that was a resounding number one. Um, and if, if you don't mind, I'll share with you no, the other things. No, go ahead, please. So the number two was overcoming hardship, trauma, and difficulties. You know, learning how older generations have have traveled through that and you leaned on God through those hard times. Right. What do you think that comes from? Why is there such a desire to hear about how older generations have come through hard times? You know, I'm not quite sure, but I do wonder that in those twenties and thirties, you start to see some hard things in life. You know, maybe your first friend gets cancer or your friend goes through a divorce or, you have a loss of a relative. And I think you're kind of protected for a long time right? from some of that. Not everyone, mind you, but everyone starts to hit into these harder things that come with age, come with maturity, 
come with your eyes wide open to the world. And so I think they are trying to figure out how to process it, especially if it, they haven't had hard things before this. Right. Yeah, I mean, life can smack you down pretty quick. Oh, man, it can. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a show called Years and Years on HBO, and the characters are talking about growing up in the 1980s and the 1990s and early 2000s, and they said, well, we thought, it was all the world was always like this there very little war you know there was prosperity and all of that and it turns out we just lived in a blank space we just lived in a pocket of history and the world has not really been like that for most of human history there have been difficult times and so i think in 2008 really slapped a lot of people in the face because you had millennials coming out of college straddled with college debt and they couldn't find a job and that was that was a harsh reality to wake up to. Absolutely. Because their whole lives they've been taught, you know, go to school, work hard, do all the right things, and then you're going to get out, you're going to get a good job, you're going to be that you love, something that is not just something you go to every day, but something that you love and you find meaning in. And you're going to work there, and you're going to build up your retirement, and then you're going to be able to retire to Scottsdale, Arizona, and everything will be great if you just do the right things. And then 2008 hit when they're coming out of college, these young adults, and boom, they, they can't find a job. And that's a hard, they can't find a spouse. I mean, those are some really hard things to grapple with. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the other things that they mentioned? So it's interesting. It's along the same vein. So the three others were dealing with difficult relationships, uh-huh. Um being open to God's plan for our life versus our own expectations and desires. So again, like that change of what maybe they might've expected or thought and, and really trusting in God and that the path that's before them is the one that he has intended for them. Right. And I think that's hard sometimes when you had a picture in your mind of what you thought you wanted. And so whether that be singlehood or, you know, a different career journey than you expected, um, it's just, it's challenging. It is. Yeah. And it would, it, I can see how appealing that would be to have older generations speak and to say, yeah, you know what? I had a picture of my life when I was a young adult and no, my life didn't turn out that way, but gosh, it's all right. Yes. And here's how God worked through that. Right. Um, we had this woman who hosts um, our young adult group who's 83 share with us wow, I can really see God's hand through all of my different seasons. And they were hard seasons, but I am grateful for them. And hearing that, someone looking back on their life in that way is really powerful. Yeah, I think it's so wise to get the input of um, young adults and say, what what really matters to you? What do you want to hear about? And then pull in those wisdom of the elders. So you host these Wisdom of the Elders meetings um, yes. on a quarterly basis. Is that correct? Actually, right now we're doing it um, um, the first and third Tuesdays of the month, so okay. twice a month. Great. And so tell us a little bit about the format of the Wisdom of the Elders. You know, um, we brainstormed all these topics, and then um, we um, have tapped different elders to come. And it's really conversational. Mm-hmm. You know, we have two or three I mean, one might say kind of like a panel, we'll have them each share, but then it opens up to just have a discussion. And it has been really beautiful to see the different questions that people bring. Um, and it's just a neat way to get to, to feel like you really know someone. Cause even yeah. I feel like I'm getting to know people 
in our congregation better as I'm hearing their story. That's that's amazing. You know, and that's a, one thing that, that churches out there can learn from is that millennials don't want to be left out. They don't want to be siloed. They want They want the wisdom. They want someone at the end of the road to say, you know, it was hard, but it's okay. Absolutely. You can make it through with with the love of God, with the support of the church. You can make it through. Yes. And giving them those answers because um, millennials, they say, are, you know, the most lonely generation. One in four millennials don't have a single friend, they say. Wow. So... Providing that place of community can be so important. Absolutely. And I think for people to know they're not alone in those hard spaces, like someone else has been there before and they made it through and then they can too. Yeah. I mean, I used to teach um, Bible study to women felons in downtown Denver. And I would open up with, you know, a Bible study or a question. And um, they were so funny because they, they would talk about suburban churches and greater Denver. And they would say, thank God, we don't go to church in suburban churches because we'd have, feel like we'd have we'd have to have our act together, and God knows we don't have our act together. And they would just laugh and slap their thighs and just think that was so funny. But it's so true. Is sometimes we walk into church and it looks like everybody has their life together, and to really get to know people to say, uh, uh, no, they got the same questions as me. Yeah, they got the same problems as me, and it makes you feel known. It makes you feel like okay, I'm not some, I'm not out of, so alone here. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's, um, that's an important thing for people to think about, just that community wisdom aspect. Absolutely. And that authenticity, that transparency, that people can really connect with each other on a deeper level. Yeah. So what would you say, I mean, you have been a pastor for several years and, you know, I have watched pastors struggle to do ministry, and I've watched churches struggle to um, do ministry in their communities. So I'd love to hear, you know, a few pieces of advice that you would give to pastors today that are trying to to reach an unchurched secular generation. How, what would what would be your piece of advice to them? You know, I think that um, for me, I've really learned to plan events and activities that I like to do too. I think when I'm happy and joyous and enjoying what we're doing, that comes out so much more. When it's forced and I'm trying to do something that I don't really want to do, it, it it shows. Right. And so I think that a little light bulb went off of me like, oh, I think our young adults would love a ski hut trip. And I actually love to do that. Yeah. And I would love to take them on that if there are people who want to do this. And so integrating um, my own passions when they align with our young adults is actually really rewarding for everybody. Right. So actually enjoying yourself. I guess that would be a great piece of advice. Enjoy yourself and don't, don't make it feel like a chore. Don't do things that make feel like a chore. Do things that you think are fun. Absolutely. Cause that's been a joy for me with young adults. I mean, these individuals, I call them friends. I mean, these are people I would hang out if this was not my role. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to have gotten to know them because I'm not sure that I would have. And so that really is such a rewarding piece of the role that I'm grateful for. Yeah, you have been really successful in the Kaleo Project, and you've done a lot of great things, and you bring a positive, optimistic attitude that um, that I have really appreciated. And I would love to hear what would be your advice to to encourage pastors who may be struggling to minister. 
You know, I think that is, I think everyone has seasons where things are more challenging in their life for sure. Um, but I do think making sure also that their own buckets are filled, so to speak, that they are, um, you know, walking in the Lord with, with all the strength that they can, um, that they are not getting burnt out. I think that our church does a really good job of trying not to over-program. I yeah. think that is something that we can all slip into with the best intentions. Right. Something sounds fun and we want to do it, but then it's burning us all out. And so I think that's a huge piece, not becoming burnt out. Right. Not How do you not become burnt out? I mean, that's a huge question because everybody has burdens with administration and um, struggling to run an organization at the same time, trying to do all of these events. What do pastors do not to burn out? Yeah. And I actually think it comes back to even our staff culture. I'm really grateful for a very healthy staff culture that we have fun together. The other day we did like one of those um, learn how to paint kind of sipping and painting type of things Mm -hmm. um, as a staff team unexpectedly. Sipping and painting. Yeah. So it was just kind of fun. We were, we were actually, there was a big goal to it. We were all painting sheep because we are the flock. Um, and so wow. it was a kind of a Bible study and the sheep painting experience that I was just so grateful for um, on my staff team that I'm a part of. So um, I do think for those um, lead pastors, really inject some fun into your staff team because, man, it really makes a difference. That seems to be a big theme. Um, from you is fun. And I think that fun results in joy. And I think it's really hard. It's, it's a really, um, interesting thing for us to take on as we learn to just, just have fun. What does it mean to have fun? I've actually wondered that myself. (laughs) And is it okay to have fun? Yes. You know, giving yourself permission to have fun. Absolutely. That's a great piece of advice for churches. And Anne, I want to thank you so much for joining us here at Christian Curious and um, all the, the wisdom that you have brought and the, the, the advice that you have given. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been uh, Dr. Haley Gray Scott with Christian Curious. Um, join us next week as we continue our journey to exploring how to minister in a post-Christian world. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at our email, Haley, H-A-L-E-E, Haley.Scott at denverseminary.edu. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.